You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Craig LeMasters. He is CEO at GXG. We're going to talk to him about the work he does with leaders, with entrepreneurs, helping them really kind of get their focus right, get their mindset right to really help grow their business, uh, and specifically how to get unstuck. Uh, I always love kind of this idea. I see it all the time. (laughs) Teams just kind of getting stuck in the in the situation, yeah. not being able to get at it. So I'm really excited for this. I always love people who who coach, who deal with leaders and teams and organizations that are trying to grow and scale, and, and I'm excited for the conversation. So with that, Craig, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Bruce, and what a pleasure to be with you. Love the work that you're doing, and, and it's a privilege to spend a few minutes with you today. Oh, thank you. The, the honor is mine. So I appreciate you taking the time today. So before we kind of dig into you know all the things you're doing with teams right now, give us a little bit of background. How did you get into this? What was your professional experience? Give us a little bit of the history. Yeah. So the good news is, Bruce, my story is super simple. I actually worked for the same company for 27 years, which well, when I say that now, especially when I'm speaking to, to groups back when we were doing live talks, yeah. it, kinda, it tends to shock people, especially in the generations behind me. Yeah. yeah, I was super fortunate. I grew up in a company that's now called Assurant, mid-cap public company. And for whatever reason, um, the last 11 years, I got to be the CEO. So I got to run a big company. And yeah. as I tell people all the time, I summarize it by saying I had the best big company job I think anybody can have. And and I mean that. I got to run, um, got to do some stuff I was super passionate around, around global expansion, digital transformation. But my core was about growth. I just always believed that profitable growth solved all the other stuff that yeah. we tend to get distracted with in companies. So that was my background. And then did a weird thing uh, by most people's standards. Decided when I turned 55 a few years ago that I was going to leave public company life and and wanted to just, quite frankly, go out and help leaders that, as I like to talk Talk about now are stuck, and, yeah. and the reason I use stuck and unstuck is again I'm not a consultant by training. It's you know, I'm an operator, I ran yeah. company, and I just felt like I was super fortunate. I ran into some really wise people that helped me. We built a couple things that helped us get unstuck when I was running Assurant, and I just thought it'd be kind of fun to share with people. And had no idea it would take off like it has. And four years later, we've just been fortunate to build this wonderful firm. I had some really bright young people jump on the bandwagon with me, and now I get to tell people I have best small company job. So yeah. I'm, I'm super fortunate, actually. No, that's so, great. That's yeah. great. I'm, I'm curious, like when you, was this something you always kind of envisioned? Did this come <laughs> up as you were kind of looking at that, you know, when you're, you know, approaching that 55 and kind of was like a questioning of life? How, how did that play out? Honestly, none of the above. And, and, and I wish it was, a, I always say, I wish it was a more interesting story. I literally 
got to a point to where the company actually was doing really well. We had doubled yeah. the company. Stock had done great. It had been blessed financially. Uh, my wife's a radiologist. And it was more of a life decision. And, yeah. and actually, my wife did it at the same time. She had built an amazing radiology practice. And at the same time, we both left those kind of, quote, big jobs. And for yeah. the sole reason, we just felt really tugged that we had some stuff to share in a different format and we had the flexibility to do it. So I wish it was a more like a big strategic plan and I always wanted to have my own company and it's none of that, quite frankly. And and I will tell you, even when I I got into this, I really, I didn't know if it would work, the things that worked for me. I didn't know if they would Mm, work for other people. So I spent two years when I started growing this little company, we spent two years testing our methodologies across, I think, 12 different industries, hundreds of different engagements just to see if it really worked and then I felt good about that a couple of years ago and so we started to started scaling it so yeah, yeah that's yeah. really the story that's great I, I always say when I'm kind of coaching yeah executives and stuff around the kind of career planning and stuff like I always say like, like you're you have this you know period where you're really monetizing your expertise you're going to and then then there's this give back period right where there's like you've yeah. been successful you've done really well you've got means and then you enter that phase of okay well how do you want to give back that's to right. you know that's community right. and stuff and it, it sounds like this is just a, a perfect example yeah. of someone who finds a way to contribute more than just kind of the financial side but really helping make an impact on the communities and the industries and the people that have helped them out previously so uh, kudos yeah I, I hope so, Bruce, and I'm so glad that you are teaching that in your practice, particularly for younger leaders. We certainly yeah. harp on it in our coaching practice, which is sort of half what we do, and I'm so glad you're doing that because I just think it's incredibly important, and I, and I will tell people and be very adamant with all of your listeners, it is one of the single most gratifying things you can do is if you can yeah. take this little bolus of wisdom that you've been gifted and share it with others, and, you, and in my case, I just want to put a smile back on leaders' face. Most leaders yeah. are pretty miserable, particularly mm-hmm. right now, and they're mm-hmm. hard jobs. It's very, very hard when we get stuck. And if we can do a few things to help them get through this and actually grow again and put the smile back on their face, I, I just promise you, there's just nothing more gratifying than that. Can you? Yeah, can you make money, make a living at that? If you do it well, you yeah. can do it in, in any business. Yeah, but it's incredibly gratifying. Yeah, yeah, no, that's excellent. So let's talk about kind of the stuckness and unstuckness. <laughs> how do you know? Like, what what are you? I guess, what do you define as being stuck and how do you observe or what are the indicators that you see that someone might be stuck? Yeah. And the reason I use stuck and it kind of confuses people sometimes, some people actually take it offensive when I ask them, you know, what are you stuck on? (laughs) And so I always start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you're not trying. It doesn't mean you're not smart. It doesn't mean you're not working hard. So it's none of that. But what it means is, and this is, this is how I define myself. Everything I do is based on sort of my own experience is when I was stuck, what it meant was I had a decent idea where I was going. It probably wasn't as clear as it should be, but a decent idea, but I wasn't moving fast enough, right? And, and it was super frustrating. And that always confused me as a leader. It's like, why sometimes can we go in a direction and it works incredibly well? We move at a great speed and we get it done. And then other times, particularly growth-related things, Mm -hmm. particularly outside of our just super core business, anything a little bit new or different, we just slow down. And that really frustrated me when I was a leader because it happened all the time. We had to morph our company four times over the 11 years that I was a CEO there. And 
this is a big company. So that's not easy when it's big, but it's not easy when you're small either. And so that's how I define stuck. We're not moving at the speed we need to, whatever that goal is. And again, it's, I want to be super clear because it's not usually we're trying super hard, but it's just not yeah. working. So that's how yeah. I define stuck. And do you see this as um, an individual being stuck, a team being stuck, yeah. both. Like, yeah. what's the yeah. all, all of the above? Yeah. So, and I, and I look at this whole team thing. I mean, we are a collection of individuals, obviously by definition, as a yeah. team. And so, it's usually usually the organization is stuck because the leaders individually are stuck. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to go solve. Is why is it sometimes we don't get stuck and sometimes we do? And I just felt like what I landed on and what helped me was this just interesting missing link. And if we add back that link, guess what? We get unstuck and we get unstuck pretty quickly. And that's what I became kind of obsessed with and, and literally yeah. built a company around. Yeah, no, I love, I love obsession. <laughs> um, so, so, and what causes us to be stuck? I mean, if you kind of look at the root causes yeah. of this and the underlying yeah. patterns, what is it that you found or noticed yeah. in these situations? Yeah. So on the hard stuff, and again, most of our work is what I would call the hard stuff. So let me differentiate on a core business. You know, we can say we get stuck on operating the core business. I don't think of stuck in my definition like that. I think that's just some challenges, usually tactical stuff. And my feeling is we better be able to figure that out or we probably have the wrong team. Okay. So put that aside. What, I, what I'm focused on is this obsession with growth. We have to continually move the needle. And to do that, we have to reinvent ourselves a lot. And it might be small and it might be big, but the second we step out outside of our core and do new stuff, that's where I see stuck. And, and so the biggest missing link is what I would define or call wisdom. And what happens is and here's how I define wisdom. I think wisdom has to have both unique knowledge and experience to actually make up wisdom. So again, lots of ways to define it. It's just how I defined it. Because what I found was, and again, this is a pretty simple concept, and I would ask you to think about your own business model and your listeners to think about their business models. Yeah. The minute we step outside of our core and we do this new stuff to grow, what happens to our personal, this gets back to your question, individual versus organization. As a person, what happens to my knowledge and experience if I'm super candid about it? Right, And I would argue it doesn't just go down incrementally, it goes down exponentially usually. And that's a hard thing for leaders. This is what I struggled with. Why could I build a big global company and then fail in China? Right, I did it everywhere else. Mm. Why in China? It's just it's another region, another country. About you know why? Well, guess what? The knowledge and experience it took for me to do that new stuff went down exponentially, and I had the ego to think I could just waltz <laughs> in and do it. And I would argue on any scale, any size company, we do that day in and day out. Yeah. So if we have the humility to admit that the knowledge and experience goes off dramatically, and that it's pretty darn important, right? If I'm making ballpoint pens and I want to make yeah. you know coffee cups tomorrow, that's a whole different category of knowledge and experience. So if we have the humility to admit it, then and, and we agree that that would be helpful to have, yeah. then it, you just have to go solve for, well, how do I quickly acquire that? And that's really what, again, what I did at Assurant when we bumped into this idea and, and now built GXG around is just solving for that wisdom. I call them wisdom gaps. And we just want to solve for the wisdom gap. That's it. Interesting. Because I, uh, as I think about kind of cases that I've been in, yeah. you know, both personally and, and clients and stuff that I've worked with, that the interesting one is where it is where it has worked several times. Like they've been successful a few times in terms yeah. of, you know, opening those new markets, you know, mm-hmm. accomplishing those new strategies, you know, building new products. And then all of a sudden it doesn't work once. Yeah. 
And and it's a huge ego hit. It's a huge <laughs> like, ego hit. You're kind of like, yeah. that was not fun. I, I am now I am now fearful of trying to do these things oh, again. No, absolutely. <laughs> and it's a hard thing for us. And, yeah. and but you said it, you said a very important word. I mentioned it earlier. And it's actually what I find is that it's the ego that yeah. has really caused the problem here. Because again, we thought because we do this thing really well that we can do the next thing equally as well. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I think you bring up a really important point, Bruce, yeah, we, a lot of times it does work. So why could I do, why could I expand in Europe so much easier than I could China? Well, if you step back and think of the common sense around that, it's pretty much the same in terms of yeah. marketplace, language, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, cultural. you can leverage, you you can can, leverage your yeah, previous experience so very, very well. So my knowledge and experience yeah. transferred super easily. I get to China and there's a big rut row in technical terms, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything is different. But my ego said I can still do it. Three years later and use, losing lots of money later and telling my board we're going to have a great company in China, that's kind of a defining moment for a leader. And it wasn't until, it was actually right when I bumped into this, this concept and we started to percolate on this. Wow, would this be better if I had some wisdom in the room? Not, not general wisdom, but knowledge and experience about what I was trying to do, could I maybe move a little faster? And it wasn't that we weren't making some progress. And that was the inflection point for me as a leader. When we started to do that, and I saw how quickly we pivoted. And this is practical stuff. This is like not a super sexy business model. There's no, no computers involved. These are conversations. These are meetings. These are little board meetings we run, yeah. right? But what changed was all of a sudden I had people that had spent, I had three people that helped me. The, collectively, they had almost a hundred years of, of knowledge and experience on the exact same thing I was trying to solve. So just parachute back for a second. I mean, tell us go yeah. back. I mean, do you think it moved faster? Yeah, because they said, you're talking to that person in the government yeah. or you're doing this versus that. No yeah. wonder you're stuck. And I'm like, this is a pretty cool idea. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That's how I become so obsessed because we moved at warp speed, built a great company there. We'd use the same process. Digital transformation is one of my favorite topics because mm-hmm. everybody gets stuck on this. A lot, of, oh, yeah. a lot of us don't even know what it really is or what it should mean. And you put wise people in the right facilitated format on the stuff you're trying to do on digital automation, you know, end-to-end change, whatever it is, and it just goes very quickly. That's why we trademark the term rapid cycle learning for a reason. This was the inflection point for me, Bruce, is I had a company that invested in me super heavily, MBA, all kinds of executive development, all of the networking learning groups you could imagine, executive coaching. I mean, incredible company, right? Invested in me amazingly. So then why was I still getting stuck on this stuff? And what I realized when we started employing some of these techniques is that was all helpful at a certain level. But none of that had the knowledge and experience, the actual wisdom that I needed in the granular form to go make different decisions, right? To make choices that got me unstuck and do it quickly. We don't have time to pause and go think about stuff for two years. So I just wanted to try to build a process. And again, that's why we call it rapid cycle learning is that was the inflection point for me is I never thought about leadership, executive, if you will, owner, company learning 
differently. I just thought about it differently forever. And, and that's yeah. my passion now is just teaching this process to people. Yeah. If we can help them, that's great. But I just want them to do it. It's, it's why I wrote the book. I just had a book come out two weeks ago on this topic because I just wanted to share the methodology with everybody because um, yeah. it works. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's yeah, I'm curious, do you see a difference between kind of finding a situation or finding a leader or a team who's stuck and getting them unstuck versus you know, helping a team avoid getting stuck in the first place. I mean, are those two different processes, different strategies? Or? I, I don't think so at all. I, I'm actually glad you brought that up. A lot of people don't pick up on that. That's a wonderful nuance, actually, that the same bolus of wisdom beforehand will have the same impact. Meaning, right? Because I, th- I believe leaders have great intuitions about your business model. That's why you're leading the company. So we tend to have great intuitions that, you know what, I'm kind of coming to the end of the product life cycle, or I'm coming to the end of the this or that. We kind of know that, right? But why is it then that we wait so long? And we usually wait to when we get a financial metric that says you have to do something. And as you well know, I mean, you've been doing this a while. (laughs) That's too late. (laughs) I mean, you are behind the eight ball when the number says it's not working. And so, I mean, I love it when now that we've been at this for four years and we have clients that say that to us like, wow, we're in this distribution model and we think that's coming to the end of the line. Maybe it's a year, maybe it's five years, but shouldn't we get the wisdom in the room now to try to do something about it? And it puts a big smile on my face because the angst that that will prevent is oh, yeah. immense. And again, we, we tend to not do enough of that or any of it until we get a financial metric that says, uh-oh, and then it's too late. I mean, now yeah, you're, you're yeah. not too late, but you're playing catch up then. Yeah, and it's exactly. a horribly painful thing to do. Yeah. And how, like, so given a new initiative, so given like a, a company that is entering a new market, something like China, yeah. like how, how do you, like, what's the process to figure out what is the wisdom that you do need to kind of bring into the room? How do you identify that? Yeah, so we do, uh, and you hear me use, use the word simple <laughs> a lot. It's just how I love to run stuff, how I led, and, and I think we tend to overcomplicate things. So, so we use a really simple process. Number one is, I call it define the destination. And what I mean by that is I want leaders just to tell me in their own words. And by the way, in any of the work we do, we don't use laptops. There's no PowerPoint. It's flip charts and whiteboards only. And I do that for a very reason, because I want leaders to articulate to me, first of all, what the destination is. And you shouldn't have to have a PowerPoint to do that. Shockingly, most struggle with that. And you probably do this in your practice as well. And so step one for me is let's help them define it more specifically. And I will just be super candid with you. I'm not on the ilk that there's a perfect strategy or destination. Most will work. We waste a lot of time differentiating five to 10 degrees on this stuff. It doesn't matter. Newsflash. Yeah. It does just pick one. Yeah. But let's, let's define the destination. Second thing we do is in the most fun part of our practice is everything that we do in terms of whether it's an individual or an organizational stuck issue is we build a learning ecosystem. And what I mean by that is you know what an ecosystem looks like. And so if you visualize an ecosystem, just put the destination in the middle, either for the individual or for the organization. So if my destination was China and we had some goals around China or whatever it was for China, just put that in the middle. And then we go through a really simple whiteboard exercise and it's super fun. And when I do talks, I show people how to do it. You can do it yourself. You can do it right now as I'm talking. You can do it about your own organization. But just start drawing the bubbles of an ecosystem and draw no more than three and just ask yourself, what is the wisdom? What are the wisdom imperatives? What is the knowledge and experience that you have to have? Not the nice to have, what do you have to have to get to be? What is just absolutely critical? And again, limit it to three, no more than four. We overcomplicate everything. And then as you think about that bucket of wisdom that you have to have to be successful, to get to your B, your destination, I just call it A to B, okay? If you want to break it down a little bit and draw three more 
ecosystem bubbles off of that. And the reason I do that is using the devils in the detail, right? So if I'm looking at China, right, a big part for me ended up being M&A, right? Well, we do M&A everywhere. But M&A in China is a little differently. So I started to draw a couple of different variants in China that was important to me. And then what I really encourage people to do is just in a, in a simple, very quick format, give yourself, score yourself, what's the probability that you can do everything in that wisdom bucket well enough to get to B and just score yourself zero to 100%. So if I'm looking at M&A China and my status where I was, we were at about a 40%. We realized that while we had done a lot of M&A to do it in China, we had about 40% of the wisdom that we needed to do. Okay, so then picture that ecosystem and just score yourself around that circle, okay, the ecosystem. And we do this day in and day out, done it for <laughs> hundreds of times the last four years. And you know what the average score is once people have defined the B, put it in the middle and scored themselves? It's less than 60%. And isn't that interesting that these tend to be the really significant, what I would call needle mover things we have to do to go grow. And we only have, we have a little less than 60% chance of getting them done. Not my score, your score. Yeah. And it's really funny when we do this, and, and particularly with bigger companies, it's almost comical because they don't really know what we're doing. We move pretty quickly and we get to the score. And you know what the first reaction is? Everybody wants to change the game. Like, oh, what I, what, I really, what I really meant was we're not really that low on technology right now. We really are at 80%. I'm like, well, you scored at 40, so I'm not changing it. So yeah. my question to these leaders when we go through this exercise is super simple, right? Because if this is the most one of the most important things you're doing from a growth initiative, that's your destination, then I want to know in the room, who's going to walk down the hall and tell the CEO that we have less than 60% of chance to get there, Yeah. right? And that's how we should approach this. We should have this unbiased candidness, but that's how we diagnose what we're missing. Because here's the good news, Bruce, that not all of those are going to be low scores. You may go through this exercise and go, wow, I feel pretty good. Three out of the four, you know, we're 70, 80, 90%. We don't need any help there. We can get to the, we can get to the goal line. But I promise you, if you do it, if it's a meaningful new thing you're trying to do, there will be at least one category where we have that big sort of rut row experience and go, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I never looked at it that way. I've never looked at it in this level of detail. <laughs> But I'm looking around my leadership team, and we just don't have that. We'll just have the humility to admit it. It's not that hard to go get. And that's what we do. That's really where our work is, is the diagnosis. And then we're going to show you some methodologies to go plug the wisdom gap. That's it. That's it. And and so what are the strategies for plugging the wisdom? Is this like you've got to go hire new executives, or are there other options? Well, I mean, gosh, if you have the luxury to do that, and you can look at those buckets of wisdom you're missing, and you can go, you can afford to go do it, I would argue most companies can't and probably shouldn't, because a lot of it's temporary. And so what we do is we build, what do we get paid to do? We get to diagnose this, right? To help people think about it differently. That's pretty straightforward. But our secret sauce is is how we go find these people. So we've built a cool process of how we go find the wisdom and then how we facilitate those conversations. And we do it in two formats. And again, I encourage people to do this. You can do it with or without the low GXG. One format is we do advisory boards completely different. So we form very small advisory boards that are just focused on the output of that destination. That's it. There's no other purpose. There's no other big picture think tank stuff. It's just 
that purpose. And so if you think about the granularity of those people that actually are the people represent those circles around there. And so what we're looking for is if if I'm going to do digital transformation and let's just say data is one of my wisdom buckets that I'm a 40% on, right? Well, what part of data do I really not understand? Is it the analytics? Is it the modeling? Da, da, da. I mean, there's all these different parts of data, right? We have huge ecosystems and all that. So if we land on it's this piece of data we don't understand, then we're going to go find somebody that has the wisdom on that. What does that mean? It means they've done it before. Our qualification is you have to be an operator. These are not consultants. And you have to have accomplished what we are trying to help our client do. So we go find, it's usually no more than three or four people. And then we have a bizarre sort of board format that we use. It's super fast paced. We have a proprietary, we call decision accelerator process to help people come to those choices very quickly. It usually takes between one and three meetings over about six months to get to that destination. And then we're done. Uh, You know, I'm not a big fan of the traditional consulting model. I think it's helpful for some knowledge, but I don't like to hang around. I want to get in and help people get unstuck. And if you like it, then you hire us to do more or you do it yourself. So that's what we do organizationally. And then on individuals, we kind of turn the whole coaching model on its head because again, there's nothing wrong with traditional coaching. Behavioral psychology is super helpful. But what was missing for me was this same concept. It's like I've kind of moved beyond that, right? I mean, either have fellowship or I don't at this point, particularly when I got to be CEO. What I really needed was what about me in China? What about my knowledge and experience? Yeah. So my ecosystem became four people. I mentioned this earlier three or four people that had a hundred years of knowledge and experience actually working in China. Yeah. That, that I could then have facilitated conversations with, not about general stuff, but about back to my topics. Okay, on M&A, <laughs> no. you've done 20 deals there. What am I missing here, right? And that's a whole different type of learning, Bruce, than we do in traditional executive coaching. So no. we go down both paths with, usually we usually are doing board work and then we end up doing the individual leader help and just we call it impact coaching because it is a different, it's kind of executive coaching reimagined, if you will, but it's all built around that learning ecosystem. Yeah. And do you, when you put together these boards, are yeah. they, this is, you put them in together as a group and engage with them as a group or yeah. are they individuals and you engage with them one-on-one? Yeah, no, it's in a group. So we match up. So if we have three board members solving a particular destination uh, challenge or stuck issue, then we typically have three or four internal people. So these are people internally that are responsible for it. We bring in the board members and, and two things, we want two things to happen. Number one, we want the external people to work super hard to get them unstuck. That is the goal. But at the same time, what we want is for them to teach the farmer how to farm. So they're literally sitting there, back to my data analytics uh, example. So we're going to go find the best data person, operator that's doing this. So they're going to help us solve the, the challenge. But at the same time, they're sitting next to them. They're teaching your person. They're teaching yeah. day in. I mean, it's so cool. And that's the fun of this. And I call it the spirit of, the, you know, you've heard the spirit of reciprocity. It's alive and well, yeah. right? You ask people to share their wisdom in the right way, and then you facilitate it super efficiently, as, which is kind of what we get paid to do and get the output. They want to do it over and over. I mean, most of our board members and the people that participate in our, in our, in our impact coaching program, they just want to keep doing these conversations because they love sharing their wisdom. And guess what? They always tell us the same thing. We learn just as much as they did. This is pretty cool. And yeah. that, that's the whole spirit of reciprocity. And I, yeah. think we, I think we've largely gotten away from it. I think we, we, we shifted to, the, you know, to, to big networking events, which is nothing wrong with them. And I yeah. don't mind that, but they're largely social and they're largely generic topics and sort mm-hmm. of big picture topics. And again, I'm not being critical of any of that. There's great organizations doing it. I got to do a lot of that. 
first of all, most leaders are sort of introverts like I am, and it's not your, it's not your most favorite thing. I want to be in a pretty intimate setting that's private, it's discreet, and it's targeted. Those are the words. That's what I've heard the last four years. Wow, you bring me wisdom that's discreet, targeted, and we're driving for output. That's helpful. And, and that's all we're trying to do. And it works. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. I mean, I, I have so much fun with this because I knew it worked for me, and now I see it working. And, and really on any size company, I mean, I love the work you're doing. I love your mantra that you guys want to go for, you want to help from 2 million to 200 million. I just love that. That is, that's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I've seen it work now at the 2 million, actually at zero. And then our largest client is a fortune three company, I guess. So yeah. it works across the board. That's great. Yeah. And, and tell me, if, so for folks listening to this that, you know, kind of feel like they might be stuck or want to yeah. kind of use some of the techniques that you've, you've talked about here, what, what's the best way to kind of, um, you know, start to use them? Like, where can they get some information? What's the, where do you recommend they start? Yeah. So the first place, because it just came out two weeks ago on Amazon, is the book that I wrote. It's basically our business model. You'll be shocked at the title, Bruce. It's called Unstuck. <laughs> um, so, I'd encourage you to get it. It's a very simple book. It's again, it's not a fancy book. I'm not trying to cover a lot of things. And I just tell the whole story there. I tell the methodology. I, we actually give people tools to go do this. You know, again, without it, you don't have to use GXG. Um, and then our website is gxg.co. And I'd encourage people to look at that. We, we share lots of case studies and examples and. I want to be really transparent about the work and then doing a lot of speaking, particularly related to the book. And so my speaker website is craiglermasters.com if anybody's um, interested in that format. And then I encourage yeah. people to reach out on LinkedIn. I love to communicate on LinkedIn. And again, we share a lot of content on LinkedIn. So please feel free to, to connect on LinkedIn. That's great. I'll make sure that all those links awesome. and, and handles and everything are on the show notes so people can get that. Excellent. Craig, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, no. Thank you, Bruce. Fun chatting with you. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.